And I do hope and pray you've had an awesome, blessed week, having an awesome, blessed Sunday. We are so glad that you are here doing church with us, learning, growing, and worshiping. I'd like to also welcome anybody joining us online. We're glad you're there too. Put something in the chat so we can see you today, a way we can pray for you, a way we can help you. We, we can certainly do that for you. One of our online facilitators are there for all of your prayer needs. Amen. So y'all have picked an awesome day to gather and be in the house of God, house of the Lord. Today we are going to be continuing the message. We are on part three already. Can y'all believe that? Time just keeps on a trucking, right? Thanksgiving's this week and Christmas is right around the corner. And time, if anything, is just probably going to continue to speed up, right? We are in the midst of it. But we are on blessed part three today. If you got a neighbor, go ahead and, and tell them, say, man, you are blessed. Tell your other neighbor, say, man, you are super blessed. Super blessed, amen. Y'all sound good, alive, and well this morning. I'm glad y'all are having fun with us this morning. So we've been talking about a blessed life. And really what God says a blessed life is, what it looks like. And see, as believers, as Christians, as the church, we have to see and recognize that what God defines as a blessed life actually looks nothing like what the world defines as a blessed life. Did you know that? It is nothing like what the world says. God's kingdom is what? Upside down and? And backwards. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. And so the way God works, oftentimes in my spiritual life, looks nothing like the things that my flesh wants or desires. And I can't base my life uh, or compare my life to the Joneses, to my neighbors, to anybody else who may have all the stuff, right? The car and the clothes and the house and the... And the relationships and the job, you fill in the blank. God wants his people to know that no matter what, somebody say no matter what. If you remember that Jesus is king, and if you're a believer in that fact that he died for you, that you are blessed. And nobody can take that from you except you. You, me, when I doubt God. When I begin to find myself in this place of comparison, I'm only supposed to compare my life to one person. Who is it? Jesus. Jesus. Right? And as long as I'm on this life of faith where I'm beginning to look more and more like Christ each day, then I'm on a winning track. Come on, somebody. Right? And so a blessed life, this is what I want you to hear before we get into the, our message and the recap of our message on our outline. A, a, a blessed life doesn't mean that we have an easy life. If you, if you confess and, and get saved and born again today, I can't stand up here and promise you that your life's going to get easier. All great things and all good things come with hard work and determination, right? But you'll be a blessed person, a blessed child of God, right? It's actually the opposite. If you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, it means that we have favor in the midst of our hardships. What did we say a few weeks back? Favor ain't fair. One person paid attention. Favor ain't fair. If the King of Kings is the Lord of my life and my, my heavenly Father, what God can give me that the world can't, that nobody else can, that nothing can other than Him, I am blessed coming and going. Right? And so that's what we want to continue talking about is this, this, this shift of thinking 
and seeing how blessed we are that no matter what, if I believe in God, he's in control, right? Let's look at that first recap point. We'll go ahead and get started. So we said this week one, right? It was laying a foundation. We've been using Matthew 5. Right? It's, it's titled and labeled in the scriptures as the Beatitudes. The word Beatitude literally means supremely blessed. So we're going to read that again today. But we said this. We said the Beatitudes are what give us a spiritual standard. A moral code tells us what lines not to cross. A spiritual standard defines the life we're called to live. See, the world wants to, 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 to create a, a standard of its own also, right? It's, it's a moral code. It's, it's what the world defines good as good. Y'all, God doesn't want just good kids, good children. He doesn't want just moral believers, just moral kids. There's going to be a lot, I've said every week, there's going to be a lot of good moral people burning in hell one day, and it breaks my heart. Because God wants to set a standard that we're called to live by. And that standard is going to be the same for every person who's ever lived. Did you accept Jesus, my son, my gift that I gave as your Lord and Savior? Right? God wants to do that. He does that through what? Through his word. God doesn't want his children just to be better, good, or moral. He wants us to be holy, set apart, and to live blessed. A blessed man knows he's blessed. A blessed man walks like he's blessed. A blessed man and woman, you feel, and I'm talking about women too now, talk blessed, they live blessed, blessed people bless others, right? No one can talk you out of being blessed. And so let's go ahead and read, let's read that, the Beatitudes. Matthew 5, we're going to read verses 3 through 12, right? This is Jesus, he's preaching, he's teaching to the people, and this is what he says. He says in verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I'm going to stop there for a moment. We have talked about those the last three weeks. And so this next two verses what I want you to highlight, underline, where we're going to be focused on and talking about today. These next two blessings, these next two beatitudes, verses 6 and 7. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Somebody say thirst. For righteousness, for they shall be Filled, for they shall be filled, it says. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. He goes on. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in where in heaven and where in heaven if i'm blessed sometimes i gotta know and remember that my blessing may not may not come as fast as i need it to god's timing's perfect i have to remember that if my prayer hasn't been answered just yet that my reward is still awaiting me where in heaven because i'm blessed according to his standard according to his word Right? And uh, excuse me, verse 12, it says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad and rewards in heaven, for they shall, uh, excuse me, for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Who else did they persecute? Our very own Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ Himself. If Jesus experienced hardships, you and I are going to be experiencing hardships. Right? 
Jesus understands your pain. They even turned on Jesus. Jesus was betrayed. He was, he was crucified. Right? So, but according to the Beatitudes in the scripture, Jesus, he gives us a blueprint, a blueprint, and defines what a blessed life is, what it looks like. These blessings mark us as children of God. Any children of God in the house, right? These blessings mark us. His hard, the hardships of life declare that I'm blessed if I believe in him. Let's look at that next point, recap point. So we said, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. The mournful are grieving, the broken, and those who wail in anguish and in pain. God has a special blessing reserved for those who look to him in times of grief and pain. Because each and every one of us have been hurt, we said. Because each and every single person, even Jesus, who was perfect, was nailed to a cross, experienced pain, will experience pain. How much more important is it that every single person have a comforter? We all need a comforter. Jesus is the anointed healer of your pain, of that thing that hurt you. God didn't cause those things. When Adam and Eve sinned and fall short of the glory of God in the garden, sin, what? Entered into the world. And God loves us, and he loves us so much that he is never going to take away your free will. What do I mean by that? He is never going to take the free will of any person to choose God or sin. God wants his people to live for, them, for him because he wants them to choose him, right? And so God, he understands your pain. Believe me. He understands your pain. And it says in that beatitude that blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. He can comfort you. You got to let him. He is just waiting for you to draw near, climb into his big, I said last week, his big cosmic gigantic lap, right? Imagine how big God's lap is. And he wants to help you through. Amen. He wants to help you through. Look at that next recap point. We talked about that last week. If you missed that, you can check that message online, and uh, it'll, it'll bless you. Amen. So this next recap point, we said, Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is not weakness. I love that. Say that with me. Meekness is not weakness. Right? It's a gentle spirit rooted in a confidence in God. The meek trust God, therefore they don't have to play God. Meekness is confidence rooted in my faith and trust in God. And when I know that God's got my back, I don't have to play God. I don't have to manipulate people. I don't have to try to make it happen because I'm by faith waiting for my God to intervene on my behalf. Come on, somebody. I believe that he can. I believe that he will. Right? And it just gets sweeter and sweeter and sweeter as I wait because when it happens, it's going to be real sweet. It's going to be real sweet. And we're going to know that without a shadow of doubt, it was only done by him. Right? Meekness is confidence rooting and knowing that that, that you're trusting a God, like I said, but it's also uh, a confidence rooted in knowing who you are, who God's made you to be, and it even goes a step further, knowing whose you are, right? Because Jesus knew who he was. He walked in confidence, gentleness, and meekness. Now, he, he got onto the Pharisees, but he still walked in a meek spirit, right? A confidence, a gentleness that drew people on him because he knew who he was, and he knew whose he was. We need to know who we are in Christ and whose we are. That is meekness. Amen. Let's look at that first new point for today. 
So like I said, we're going to look at those next two verses, verse 6 and 7 today. And so Jesus said, we just read it, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be, what? Filled. For they shall be filled. There is a special blessing for those who have a spiritual appetite, craving, and inner hunger, and a gnawing of the soul. There is a painful realization of eternal death if that hunger and thirst is not quenched. Every single person on the face of the planet is hungry and thirsty. Spiritually, so to speak. We are all craving. And y'all, we have an appetite, don't we? We have an appetite. Oh man, we got a gnawing of the soul. People are hungry and thirsting and, and craving truth. Thing is, none of us go find the, the, the solution. The only way I can be filled, the only way I can be fed, the only way I can be full is by His presence. But why do we go every other avenue, every other place looking for that hole to be filled in my soul? Right? I'm hungry, I'm, I'm thirsty, I'm starving for love. Right? And we got men addicted to pornography. Trying to fill that starving, craving, gnawing of the soul, right? I'm, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty for truth, right? And you watch MSN News, MSNBC News. I better stop. <laughs> I got to amen for somebody. Right? We all want truth, and we all make up our own truth, so to speak. That's what I want to say. We make the truth fit. My feelings. If it makes me feel good, then it must be true, right? Y'all, that ain't going to jive with what God says, right? His blessings actually call me in to the fire. Y'all remember Meshach or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You know, living for God might call you into the fire. But what did they believe? They believed God had their back. Did he show up at the last minute? Y'all remember Daniel? What was he called into? The lion's den? When you live for God, y'all, it's upside down and backwards. Right? And so you better believe. You better trust. You better have faith. And we're all hungry. And we're all thirsty. And God says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for my ways, for the, pay, the, for the love and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness, if you, if you strive for those things, God will fill that hole in your life. He will and he wants to. Only God can do those things for us. He, he wants our desires, y'all, to become his desires. And when our desires become his desires, heaven meets earth. Blessed people live blessed. Blessed people bless others, right? And God's kingdom wins. God's kingdom comes through our lives and through our faith. Look at Psalms 42, 1 through 6. Who loves the Psalms? Amen. If you've been through some stuff, you really love the book of Psalms. Right? David wrote all the Psalms. And he'd been, he had been through a lot, right? He had been through a lot. And so, but, but look at this. We're talking about God saying he wants, I just said, for us to share in the same desires. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, righteousness shall be filled. And so look what David writes here. David prays here. Verse 1, he says, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. 
I thirst for God, the living God. Who can go and stand before him? Day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of, and worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior, my God. David was called and anointed to be king. All the people began to believe in him above Saul. So Saul was jealous of David, right? Saul hunted David. He was, he was hiding out for years in caves and, and, and fighting against Saul. And so David had experienced some amazing encounters with God. And as he, as he, as he writes this, as he prays this, he's thinking back of, of some good days, right? But he feels abandoned. He feels alone, but he doesn't, doesn't, he doesn't pray or talk to God the way that he feels. He confesses who God is, right? He says, as the deer longs for the streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for you, O God. We have to pursue righteousness when I feel lost, when I feel abandoned, when I feel hurt, when I feel like it's too hard to go on. I can't hunger and thirst for the things of this world to help try and fix whatever it is. David, he desired righteousness. He hungered and thirsted for the things of God. Who remembers how David was described in the Bible? The only person who ever was compared this way. David had a heart for God, it says. He desired right. I got the scripture for you. Let's read uh, uh, Acts 13, 22. It's an extra scripture. It's not on your paper outline. It should be on the screen for you. And so it says, But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And Paul in Acts is referencing 1 Samuel 13 through 14. When Samuel, the priest, declared David the new king because Saul was living in sin. Saul was, Saul was not doing what God was asking him to do, right? He wasn't pursuing righteousness. It's, but the, Saul was called and appointed to be king just as much as David. It said Saul stood head and shoulders above everybody else. The thing is, David desired righteousness. Saul's heart was evil. So hey, if you feel called into the ministry, if you got, if you got a, a, a dream or a vision from God, you better check your heart. Because God has somebody in the ranks, believe me, who's equally as called as you are. He just wants you to be a good steward of what he's given you. And David had, had pure motives. He had a pure heart. It's what satisfied God. Right? So where is your heart today? Where are you spiritually today? What are you craving? Do you crave the presence of God? More than you crave the comfort of your couch and Hulu? Do you crave the presence of God more than going shopping? 
Do you praise the presence of God more than your sleep at 6 o'clock in the morning? Am I preaching now? Oh, oh, pastor, my heart's good. I love Jesus. Do you love Jesus more than that thing he's calling you into? That you know is going to take a lot of work, blood, sweat, and tears. Y'all, you know what else took a lot of blood, sweat, and tears? The cross, y'all. And are you glad Jesus didn't just roll over and say, this is too hard? That he saw the value of your soul before God the Father? And he said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he went on for us. Right? So we have to check our hearts. We have to desire and pursue righteousness over earthly things. And as, as modern day American Christians, y'all, for us, the, we're so blessed, we're blinded. Blessed that we we don't pursue the righteousness and, and the presence of God more than the things. If you've never been on a mission trip, I urge you go. You're gonna come back so fired up and shaken up when you see how other people live in South America or Africa or even in our own country. And you're gonna see how blessed you are, and you're gonna desire his presence, I guarantee you. You're gonna be thankful for what you have, right? So look at that next point. This blessing that we read, it's reserved for those who crave righteousness and not just the time with God, not just the encounters, not just those good moments that we had with God. Right? Righteousness is, is right standing with God. It means doing what is right in the eyes of God. It's living a life that pleases God. All the time, every day, at 3 a.m., at 3 in the afternoon, righteousness is not doing the right thing. I'm going to say that again. Righteousness is not doing the right thing. Righteousness is doing what God would do when no one is watching you. Righteousness is doing what God would do in that moment. When no one's around, how do you live your life? I know y'all are, y'all are uh, all tucked in and ready to go Sunday morning, right? We come to church in our Sunday best. The pastor's talking to you, yes sir, yes sir, no sir, life's good. How do you act in your car on the way to work Monday morning? What are you listening to in your car come Tuesday morning? How are you living and treating your family come Wednesday evening when work was stressful and you get home? How are you living? Right? Because God wants us to desire and crave the righteousness. And righteousness is not doing the right thing. It's doing what God would do no matter what in any situation, any circumstance. That's righteousness. The attributes of God. Patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, forbearance, forgiveness, peace. And guess what? When you walk those things out, guess what God adds on to you? Power. Blessing, someone was right, but power. Power to do things that you can never do apart from Him, right? If I live for God when no one's watching me, 
His standard prevails in my life. And I live a blessed life. We talked about God trying to set a standard in our life. He used the Beatitudes as a standard of defines a blessed life. When I live and pursue righteousness, that standard prevails in my life. Prevails over the standard of the world, right? Who wants God's standard? Hey, it ain't going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. Tell your neighbor it's going to be worth it. Right? Our reward is awaiting us where? In heaven. And he has rewards for us here too. He does, I promise you. But it's going to be worth it. You've got to stay the course and you've got to be filled with faith and still trust God no matter how it looks, feels, smells, uh, looks, so to speak, in our lives, right? Look at that next point. So encounters, they allow us to feel and receive from God, right? Y'all, we need encounters. Let me stop there for a moment. Who's ever encountered the living God in your prayer life or in worship up here on Sunday mornings? Look at all those hands, right? There's nothing better than the presence of God, right? So I'm not saying we don't need his encounters, but we need to be good stewards of that time that we, we do experience, God, because y'all, when you're in the valley or when you're in the desert, sometimes you can't feel God. Sometimes you can't see God. Does it change who he is? No, right? So that's what I, I, want you, I wanted to stop there. We need encounters. There's a but, though. Somebody say but. But sometimes as Christians, we get trapped in chasing feeling, right? When we should be chasing what? Righteousness. That's that standard. Righteousness is what makes us into the person we're called to be. If I'm chasing the encounters and the, and the shiny signs, miracles, and wonders, and I'm not chasing righteousness... I'm going to fall on my face. Because when I can hoot and holler and praise Jesus on Sunday morning, man, the worship team played my favorite song. Pastor Ian, I hope, prayed a, a decent message, and he got me right here in the heart. And I felt so good, right? And then Wednesday, I'm, I'm like dead, dry bones. And I'm just waiting, desiring that presence for, for Sunday morning. Y'all do that, desire to come back on Sunday and come back. But see, you have to be your own warrior Sunday to Sunday. You got, you got to speak life. You're, I can pray for you, but apart from that, that's all I can do for you from Sunday to Sunday. Right? So we need encounters from God, but I, I, I can't be the thing that drives me. I need to be driven by who Jesus is and what he's done for me. And be driven and pursuing the things of God, which is righteousness. All those things I listed. All the attributes and good things of God, right? It's when we feel alone. It's when we're in the midst of a hard place where, I, like I said, I can't see God. I can't feel God. Maybe my faith is, is, is being challenged. I'm on the verge, verge of doubting and believing. Some of us, we believe six o'clock in the morning, uh, and then by 12 noon, we doubt, right? Some of us are a little even worse. By, by 6.30, we're back to doubt, right? Isn't that our lives? Right? And so this is what, what I want you to hear is when we feel alone the most, that's when God wants us to believe the greatest. I've already used it, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Agendo. God called them into the fire because they refused to bow down and worship other idols. Do you think they probably began to feel alone or maybe start to doubt? <laughs> I can't answer that. But because of their faith, God did the biggest sign, wonder, and miracle for them. Right? And so when you feel the most alone, when you feel the most tested, when you feel the most tried, you got to bear in. You got to get on your knees. And you got to open this. 
the B-I-B-L-E, right? The Bible. And you've got to believe because the world wants to snatch that seed of faith. The devil wants to snatch that seed of faith. And the devil don't have to snatch it if you've already done did it yourself. You keep saying, the devil's messing with me. The devil's messing. No, he's over there laughing at you. Because you confess Jesus on Sunday, and then Wednesday you're there kicking yourself in the butt. Knocked yourself on the ground. Rolling over, it's too hard. Can't do this. When you actually say yes to God, now the devil says, okay. Right? Then the test comes. You got to be strong enough. You got to believe, right, that he can and that he will. Look at Proverbs 21, 21. Is today 21, 21? What's the date today? Oh, my gosh, that's crazy. Hmm. Sorry about that. Anyway, Proverbs 21, 21 says, Whoever pursues righteousness and unfailing love will find what? Life. There's that magical word we're talking about. Righteousness and honor. Pursue righteousness and you can't lose. If you pursue his ways, his will, you can't lose. Even if the world makes it look like you're losing, you're still winning because Jesus is still king. Jesus is still Lord. He's still large. He's still in charge. He's still in control. I mean, look at that next point. We're going to move on to the next one. I want to wrap it up with this. So righteousness allows us to steward those encounters that I'm talking about. When, when I do feel God, those moments, sometimes when you're in a dry season, you have to draw and pull from those encounters that you had, right? To say, you know what? God showed up on my behalf that one time, that one day, so he's going to again, right? So righteousness allows us to be good stewards of the encounters of God so that they'll actually produce lasting fruit. If we are desperate for what God can give us but not hungry for righteousness, we end up wasting our blessing squandering our inheritance. Righteousness, it allows us to be good stewards of what God has given us, is giving us, what I have. It allows us to be good stewards, period. Thing is, God, He desires, He wants us to desire His presence more than His gifts. He wants you to say yes to Him because you on the inside want to say yes. He doesn't want you to desire the things that he can give you. And he can give you some things. I can stand here and talk about how blessed I am. And I am more blessed than I ever deserved, dreamed, thought, or imagined. And that only happened to me because I first said yes to God and began to pursue righteousness. Now, I'm not perfect. I'm probably the most jacked up person in here, to be honest with you. Y'all heard my story, my testimony, what God's done. So it's nothing what Ian's done, it's what God's done through His Holy Spirit, His presence in my life, right? And I have to be careful that no matter how good my life gets, that I don't turn other things, even blessings of God, you can turn into idols, did you know that? Man, you prayed, you prayed so hard for your spouse. God, I'll, I'll love you so much if you just send me the perfect man or perfect woman. God sent that spouse to you. Now, ten years later, you're like... Right? You turned his blessing into a curse. He didn't turn it into a curse. Who did? You did. I'm stepping on some toes today, ain't I? Somebody say today. Right? 
we can turn blessings from God into things he didn't call them to be. And it gets out of whack when I turn those things into idols. No one can satisfy. No one can fill like God can. Your spouse is supposed, it says in the Bible, a man who finds a wife finds favor with God. If you make your spouse your God, man, you're going to be empty. See, he wants to add on to you, but he still wants to be God. Right? And so pursue righteousness and you can't lose. Look at that. Look at Luke 16 through 10. It's another one I added. It's not on your paper outline. Y'all really changed the outline up a lot this week. So if you're following that paper outline, it's going to be pretty much wrong. The TV is going to be pretty much right. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit just changes messages sometimes. And so I feel like it's what the Lord wanted to say today. So it says, if you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. Did y'all know that? But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So at the end of the day, we have a choice to make. What's my choice? Choose to be faithful with little. Be a good steward of what I have, and God will add on to me. And by faith, I need to continue to pursue him so I don't turn those blessings from God into idols that can come and still kill and destroy for my life. So choose to be faithful. Amen. Look at that next point. That next beatitude, that next blessing we're going to talk about today, we're going to move on from, from that last one. We're going to talk about what Jesus said. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall, what does it say? Uh, yes, receive mercy, obtain mercy. Right. So those who give mercy, is that what you're telling me? Those who give mercy, get mercy? Okay. It says, mercy is forgiveness, compassion, pity, or sympathy. Jesus commands and celebrates one of the greatest attributes of God. I say this all the time. Let's see who's paying attention. What does Pastor Ian say being a Christian is defined as? What does Christian mean? It liter- yep, Sean Dor, I knew you was, you was with me. It means, literally means Christ-like. Who believes Christ is merciful? Who has experienced the mercy and forgiveness of God? Every hand better be raised. So if you're telling me that Christian means to be Christ-like, and we've all just confessed that Jesus is forgiveness, is mercy, that means I have to live and walk in mercy, in forgiveness, in humility, even when I might be the right one. Y'all going to be limping out of here today. Even when I'm the right one, I choose mercy. Because if God forgave me, you know God died for you on your worst day? The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So if Christ chose me on my worst day, Ian's worst day, if I could like put it on a big screen TV and play it, oh man, that would be so embarrassing. Think of your worst day, just broadcast it to the world. Jesus was there, he saw it, he lived it. That's why he came. So why can't we, on our daily encounters, we meet somebody, we have no idea what they've been through, what they're going through. Maybe their, their husband or wife has cancer, they got 10 kids, they just got fired, we have no idea. It's their worst day, maybe. And they offend me. I'm right. 
I was right at that intersection driving my car, and they were wrong at that same intersection driving their car. Right? God says, those you are blessed for those who are merciful will receive mercy. Those who withhold forgiveness will not be forgiven. We're to walk in grace. We're, we're not to just walk in grace. I believe we're supposed to adorn grace. Putting it on like new clothes when we go to work. Y'all ever been around somebody who just walks in the presence of God? Like just, just being in the room with them, you can just, the gentleness and the love and the sincerity. That's what God wants his church to look like. That's how you shine for his glory, right? In a dark world. Something that's set apart holy. And maybe mercy is the key for us. Because y'all pay attention to what's going on in the world. Y'all, we are at each other's throats. Christians even. At each other's throats. Confessing Jesus. Hating on other people the way the world does. That's not holy. That's not different. That's not set apart. That's not building and building a kingdom and bridging the gap for, for people who are dead going to hell to, to come into heaven. We're supposed to love and forgive them into heaven. Right? We need mercy because we've all failed. Remember that before you judge somebody else. You needed mercy when you failed. Now you got it all put together. Thank you, dude. Because God did that for you. How much more so are we supposed to give that to them? Don't judge other people. Look at Matthew 7, 1 through 2. We all got to start somewhere, right? It says, don't what? Judge others and you will not be judged. For you'll be treated as you treat others. Man, that does not sound like rocket science to me. Treat others as you'd like to be treated, it says. And it says the standard. There it is. Y'all remember our first point? The standard that God defines through the Beatitudes? It says the standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Oh, buddy. If you are just walking around every day, scrolling on Facebook, Instagram, whatever else, just judging people. Oh, man, they did that. Oh, man. Oh, man, I'm better than that. Oh, man, I'm way better than that. You are going to be judged and held to the same standard that you set in your life. See, this is how you win. Stop judging others according to your standard and judge others according to God's standard. And guess what? You won't see anybody falling short. That's where we're skewed. That's where we're messed up. I'm judging people according to my standard. God sets the standard, right? And God's standard is mercy. That is his standard. Forgive them for they know not what they do, he says. Forgive them for they know not what they do, he says. That is his standard. He is rooting for every single person to come and accept Jesus until they don't have breath in their body anymore. And if that happens to a lot of people, y'all, they had millions of moments, millions of opportunities to accept Jesus over their sin, and many are lost. Not doing that. And it's not because Jesus' standards messed up. 
Did he give him grace? Did he give him mercy? Did he give him opportunity after opportunity to say yes to me? He says, I don't judge you. I don't condemn you. I don't forsake you. Just say yes to me, and we'll, we'll, we'll work together. We'll, we'll walk together. We can get through this. You're gonna, you're gonna, I'm going to change you from glory to glory. It's going to be a process, but just say yes to me. You hunger and thirst for this thing on the inside. If you just say yes, I can fill you. Right? That's his heart. That's his desire. God's standard is mercy. Church, we need to be clothed in mercy. The next point, this beatitude, it releases an equivalent blessing because it says those who are merciful shall receive mercy, right? That's an equivalent. That's equal. That you set yourself up for success in moments of failure. And get this, the way you treat others in their worst moments will determine how others will treat you in your worst moments. When I give mercy in a very bad situation, that means when I'm in a very bad situation and don't think, ah, I'll never get there. Y'all never say never. You're going to need God's mercy and maybe it's in that moment where it comes back. It comes back to the way you treated others. And it's not because God abandons us or forsakes us. It's because we reap what we sow. And so if you sow mercy, then you receive mercy, right? If you sow mercy, you receive mercy. So treat others the way you want to be treated. I just got ahead of myself. Look at Galatians 6, 7. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A what? Man reaps what he sows. To reap mercy, I have to daily be sowing mercy. Man, how many of us are sowing mercy every single day? Man, I bet that number is small. We might be sowing love. Love's good. But there's more that God wants to do in and through us. Maybe the love that I'm trying to give to somebody, they're repelling me, they're repelling me, like I can't get a breakthrough. I'm, I'm trying to love them into the kingdom of God. Maybe that breakthrough is lies in the mercy I'm trying to love them, I'm trying to love them, I'm trying to love them, I'm trying to love them. And God says, if you just give them mercy, my love will be manifested. And maybe they'll believe that I can love them and forgive them. Right? That's his standard. That next point, it says, this beatitude doesn't encourage, this is what I want to talk about this for a quick second, doesn't encourage the rewarding of wrong behavior, Okay? It's not saying, if I forgive somebody, I'm not saying, maybe they did something wrong. You know, maybe they killed somebody. You know who else killed some people? David. A man after God's own heart. Y'all remember uh, Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, who was once Saul. He killed a lot of people, Christians. What did God do? He gave them mercy. So what I'm saying is, when you forgive somebody, you're not condoning their behavior. You're not saying what they did is okay. You're just releasing them to God. You're saying, God, I'm not the judge because I'm not a good judge. I'm going to let you judge them. And their life becomes accountable to who? God, not us. So that's what happens when we give mercy. We release them, right? It says, but it reminds us the redemptive nature of God that always creates a path for restoration. That's a path to restoration for that person who maybe did some real wrong. Let's say somebody kills somebody. 
Maybe in a, a drunk car accident, they get sentenced to prison. Maybe that the person they killed was a, a son or daughter of a, a mom and a, a father who's a Christian. And maybe they, by faith, they go and they see that person and they say, you know what? I'm not condoning what you did. I'm releasing to you. God, I just want you to know that God loves you. And I believe God loves me. I don't believe God loves you even more. And I just want to, I just want to forgive you. I know you didn't mean to kill my son or my daughter, but I'm going to forgive you. What do you think happens to the heart of that person that did that wrong? That begins to get that person to what? Question who they are in the eyes of God. Right? Mercy is key. Is key. So we're not rewarding good or bad behavior or condoning sin, right? We are releasing them or him or her onto God. The last uh, scripture I want to give you today, so good, comes out of Lamentations. It's a small book. This is kind of one of the only highlights from that book, but it's really good. And it says, the faithful love of the Lord never, somebody say never, never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. God can forgive you. This is for somebody. He can forgive you today of your past, the thing you did. He wants to forgive you. His mercies are new every single day. As I was studying this week, Lord, give me a cool way to look at this. For all y'all that don't know, uh, your pastor's turning 36 on Tuesday. So uh, if you want to send a blank check or something, or some cool devil stompers. Shonda already gave me a brand new jacket today. I like shoes and jackets. And I actually thought I was turning 37, but I found out I'm only turning 36. I'm like, yeah. When you turn 30, it gets hard, right? Remembering how old you I had a bustling calculator on. I'm like, no, I'm turning 36. I gained a whole year. I was thinking, man, 40's like right there. And it's still right there. Matt, I love you, sir. But uh, so I'm going to be 36 years old on Tuesday. And I was thinking, man, I wonder how many days that is. It is 13,140 days that Ian has walked the earth. This scripture says that his mercies begin afresh each morning. We're all in this same boat together. However old you are, you can do the math and figure out how many days you've lived. The Lord showed it to me like this. I, Ian, have experienced 13,140 different days, types, different versions of his mercy and his grace in my life. Because you know what? The things that I'm going to need him to do for me tomorrow, I don't know about yet. The things that he did for me in my past were different than what I need him for me to do today. The mercies and grace that I need for today are exactly what I need for today. And they're fresh and new every single day. Think of the glory of God. 13,140 different types of mercy and grace on my life. Y'all, wherever you are, there's hope for you. You are blessed today, I promise you. However old you are, there's been mercy and grace, fresh and new, every single day for you. All you have to do is what? Say yes, God. 
say, Jesus, I'll trust you. And his mercy and grace are for us. Amen. Y'all join us in prayer this morning. I just want to pray over the congregation right now. So, Father, Lord, I love you. I thank you for each and every person here today. I just pray the Holy Spirit said something to us, something that we can take home with us, something that we can literally apply to our lives. God, your word is living and breathing. It's a living word. Jesus, you are a manifestation of that word. And I pray that we would put on that word, whatever it was for us today. God, and we stand on that word, that your mercy and grace are fresh and new every day. God, I need your mercy today. And because I need your mercy, let me give mercy. Let me give mercy. Let us not withhold blessings from others, but help others and love others and forgive others into the kingdom. In Jesus' name. If you're gathered here today or maybe you're watching us online, and right now you maybe feel like you're on the outside looking in, so to speak, That Jesus Christ, right now, whatever your life looks like, is not your Lord. And He's not your Savior. You've been doing life your way. You've been judging people according to your standards. You're not walking in His love. You're not talking in His love. You're not forgiving in who He is. And Jesus is simply just not your Lord. He's not your Savior. Maybe He has been, but right now, today, He's not. And you want to change that. I want to help you change that right now, today, to where you can go home with hope and joy, knowing that God has forgiven you and that he loves you and that you have become a child of God. Jesus told Nicodemus that you must be born again. To be a part of the kingdom of God, I have to be born again spiritually. So if you want to make that decision today, it's going to be really easy. If you're watching us online or you're here in the sanctuary, all I want you to do, no one's looking at you, if you are born again, I want you right now to pray for the lost, please. Pray for the lost world right now. But if you're here today and you want to make that decision, you want to say, Pastor Ian, I want to make that decision today. I want you right now just to stand up. Stand up at something you do every single day without even thinking about it. But right now it's going to be special because you're thinking about what God's saying to you right now. And you're going to change your eternal destination. And you're going to change your little physical destination of your life. You was running towards sin, and now you're going to begin to run towards righteousness. So if that's you, you want to do that, I'm going to give you a few more seconds. A few more seconds. If that's you online, hallelujah, there's somebody standing. Stay standing. God loves you. If you're watching online and you want to make that decision, say, I'm making that decision. Put that in the chat. We are going to say a prayer today. Father God, Lord, you're so good. I want you to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, God, we accept and believe in your Son. And right now, I confess that he is Lord, that he is Savior and Redeemer of my soul. Holy Spirit, come. Fill me with your presence so that I can live for you every day for the rest of my life. Amen. 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 You may be seated. You may be seated. Somebody give Jesus a hand this morning.